0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, It went by pretty quickly, so I think I'll read that text again. I suspect you don't need to look it up on your phone or in the Pew Bible. Love does not insist on its own way. Seven minutes to talk about this text. I think seven seconds would be adequate. what don't you get about this? Love does not insist on its own way. And like you, every time I come across this text in the New Testament, I start laughing hysterically. It doesn't seem to be how it works at all, including just a moment ago when the campus pastor insists that everybody move forward. (laughs) So either this statement is false... And the whole book it can, it's uh, contained in is false, too, and the consequences of that. Or there is little, perhaps no, love in our world. Martin Luther considered this statement and how love operates, and he contrasted that with what he called faith, but he's talking about the truth of God's redemptive work delivered to us. And he said, faith sacrifices nothing ever. That's why love sacrifices everything. But we're in a deluge, a flood of disinformation. Is there a more abused word in the English language? Just listen to the radio. What's love got to do with it? Love stinks. Love is the drug. Bring me a higher love. Give me, this is my favorite, give me your unconditional love, the kind of love I deserve. That'll make you swerve right off the road and crash your car. (laughs) You might as well face it, you're addicted to love, the game of love. The Beatles can't buy me love. And there was once upon a time when I was a kid a show about a cruise ship called the Lust Boat. So, also in our experience among those claiming love most adamantly, Uh, If you haven't dated yet, I suppose you're eager to say those words. If you're dating, you can't wait to say those words. If you're engaged, I suppose it has because you said those words. I love you. Saying them is a profound experience. Living them is a more profound experience. What about those who are married? Say each other more in the morning, I love you, I love you, bye, see you later. But what do all divorced couples have in common? At one time, they all insisted, even against objections of friends or family, they all insisted that they needed to, had to get married because they were in love. I would used to do a lot of marriages and so did a lot of pre-marriage counseling and I made it my uh, job to make it as difficult as the would-be husband to get past me as possible. We're going to see if this man loves this woman or not. And so if he could endure me, she'd be a piece of cake. (laughs) Then plan the wedding. Never been a bride who insisted on her own way, has there? oh my gosh so why not just say what we mean why not just come out in the open and be honest about it skip the word love and just say I have an appetite for I love pizza I love surfing I love sunshine I love and if you look at the spectrum of what people say it's all incoming it's all what I have an appetite for and it's insatiable and there's a reason for that When is the last time you heard a person say, I am determined to sacrifice everything for you? At least, maybe in that way, we're honest. We don't say it because we don't want to, or because we don't mean it, or because we just plain can't, or are convinced we can't. Ask one drowning person to save another drowning person. What do you expect will happen? the drowning person suddenly stops drowning and swims over and saves the other drowning person? How can I save a drowning person without drowning myself? Even if I'm not drowning, I'm not swimming over to that drowning person because I read about this. They will kill you even as you try to save them. And if you think that's not true, read the gospel where God himself comes to save drowning people and what they do. They killed them. And yet, it's a different story. If someone comes in a raft, a nice, inflatable, buoyant raft, and pulls you out of the water and puts you in the raft and then moves forward to the next drowning person, what are you going to spend your time doing now? Are you going to splash back in the water because, after all, it's your life and you should have control over it, so if you want to drown, you have a right to? Or are you just going to lay on your back and get your phone back out and see what's happening in the rest of the planet? Or would you say to yourself, Wow, what an indescribable opportunity, experience, not only to have been saved, but to be in a craft from which I might continue fearlessly and relentlessly to seek others who are drowning and pull them in this vessel. That is Christianity. That is the singular purpose. Anytime a person asks, why doesn't God just take us to heaven when we are converted? Why not from baptismal font to eternity? Well, who's going to stick around to bring the rest of the people to the baptismal font? So the truth is, lust, which is what most people think of, or what they mean when they say love, it doesn't work. It doesn't work by definition. The Greek word, pleonexia, to have more, is insatiable by definition. To have more means that as soon as I get something I didn't have, now I already have it, so it doesn't count. It's more. That's the nature of a nature that has been disconnected from an infinite God who created us to be connected with him. Remember the rich young man who came to Jesus and said, What must I do to be saved? What did the commandments say? And the young man rattled them off. And Jesus said, That's it. And the young man said, I've done all these things. Remember what Jesus said? One thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me and you'll have riches in heaven. And the young man went away sorrowful, couldn't do it. In contrast, the grace of God at work is love and giving it all away. So as you exit this morning, listen to a, a song that says just that. The grace of God is love, giving it all away, because how else could it be? Where Where's the other source for everything else except for God? And for God to create us in his image, but for us to not be God means that we're going to go through this experience we're all having. Because we'd all like to pretend that we're God, but we're not, and so we get it backwards and upside down, and you see the train wreck that follows. How to let us have that experience, but not let it be catastrophic or deadly or permanent? It looks like the Gospels. It looks like God coming and showing us in person, in the flesh, in time, in material ways, what it looks like to give it all away, to give himself entirely. And there was evidence of that in the liturgy from the early church. The church service began with this recitation. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of our sin. What did the church begin its worship by reminding itself about? One, God is able, made heaven and earth. Two, God is willing, forgave us the iniquity of our sins. So, it's wise to give me better than I could ever dream of getting for myself. This is God's approach to things. He pulls us in the raft. So we're unsinkable. He gives us the perspective that he has. What else is there to do with your life? And what more profound and energizing and inspiring than to give it all away for the sake of others. No reservations, no holding back, except for those things of the faith. And to watch and feel what it is to have God resurrect us time after time as we feel the consequences of loving others. I thought I was a loving person. I aspired to be a loving person. I was raised and taught to be a loving person. And then God gave me children. And I realized I'm not a loving person at all. I'm not a loving person. But I aspire to be a loving person. So that other text is important. For the love of Christ controls us because we conclude thus. If one died on behalf of all, then all died. And he died on behalf of all, so that those who live should live no longer for themselves. Why would you, when God's so busy giving you beyond all that you can think or ask? But for him who died for them and rose again. And one note about that ESV translation, for the love of Christ controls us. New King James, not much better constrains us. Doesn't that seem like a non sequitur, like the opposite? The love of Christ controls us. No, that's not true, and it's not what it says. It's so much simpler. The love of Christ holds us together. Personally, the love of Christ holds us together. He keeps us on the rails. He keeps us from going off this way, seeking our own because you don't need to. He keeps us from going off this way, doing whatever anyone else wants you to do because that's what they want. That's not love either. He holds us on the rails, and he holds us together by his word and sacraments, delivering his grace and kingdom to us. The love of Christ holds us together because we conclude thus. That one died on behalf of all, so then all died. And he died on behalf of all, so that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. God grant this for Jesus' sake. Amen.